Welcome to the Word Made Plain with Senior Pastor Tony Clark of Calvary Chapel, Newport News in Virginia. Currently, Pastor Tony is teaching through the book of Joshua. Please open your Bible to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. Father, thank you so much for this awesome time in your word. We pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will move in our midst. God, we pray that your fire of your presence will come down upon us. Pray for a prophetic word to go forth. Lord, for these people in this generation, Lord, speak into our hearts in Jesus name. Amen. Joshua chapter five. The title of this message is cut it off. Cut it off. Now, in this chapter, we will see God tell Joshua to circumcise this new generation of men. God established circumcision with Abraham back in Genesis chapter 17. It was a sign of the Israelites covenant with God. It was the cutting away of the foreskin uh, on the man's private parts. And so why did God instruct these men to be circumcised? This is the subject of this chapter. Look what it says there in verse one. It says, so it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. So. Once the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, all of the kings of the Amorites and all of the kings of the Canaanites heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Jordan River. The end of this verse said that their hearts melted. Oh, I'm sure that the Amorites heard how the Israelites uh, defeated Og and Sihon, king of the Amorites, on the other side of the Jordan River. And according to Rahab in chapter 2, in verse 10, that they heard about how God dried up the Red Sea some 40 years earlier. Now, as I think about these two miraculous incidents, the parting of the Red Sea and the parting of the Jordan River, it tells me that God constantly wants to do miraculous things in our lives. So often we rejoice in what God did 40 years earlier, like in the case of the parting of the Red Sea, and that is great, but what is God doing in your life today? For those of you who've been walking with God for some time, it's great that you can point and say, well, you know, back in 19, so the Lord met me. Okay, what is the Lord doing with you today? What is he doing in your life? He wants to part your Jordan River too. And this is where churches get stuck in ruts. God does the miraculous for them and they rejoice as they should. But so often they get stuck uh, in, in their rut and they say things like, I remember 40 years ago when God moved in a powerful way. He parted the Red Sea and we saw people flooding into the church. Oh, that was like back in the 60s or so. When we saw that the Lord do such a thing. Well, yes, that is great that you saw the Lord open up the Red Sea and many people flood into the church. That was great. But what is God doing today? 
He wants to do something miraculous today and part the Jordan River and see this generation flood into the church. It was great that he parted the Red Sea 40 years ago and you saw people flood into the church then. But but God wants to do something today. He wants to do something today to, to part the Jordan River to see this generation flood into the church. So often we don't see God opening up our Jordan River because we're too busy camped out on the other side of the Red Sea reminiscing of the day God opened it up. And in order to see God open up our Jordan River, we must move away from the Red Sea experience. It was great that God did that thing 40 years ago. That was great. It was miraculous. It was the Red Sea experience. That was great. But you know what? In order to see God do something miraculous today, we got to move past the Red Sea experience. And yes, it was a great experience and we rejoiced in it, but we must keep it moving. And see God do the miraculous today and now part our Jordan River. Look at verses two through four. It says at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskin. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Now, in these verses, we see the Lord tell Joshua to make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel the second time, according to verse two. And so Joshua made the flint knives and circumcised them according to verse three. The area that this incident took place, which is west of the Jordan River, is called Gibeath Haratlah. And so often a place or city is named, they get its name associated with an event that took place there. Now in Hebrew, Gibeath Haratlah means the hill of the foreskin. So anyone who approached this area will know that all of the male Israelites were circumcised in this area. Now, verse four gives us the reason why the circumcision was needed. The men who were their fathers, the ones who came out of Egypt, uh, they were circumcised, but they all died in the wilderness for their disobedience. They refused to go into the promised land 40 years earlier after they heard the negative report from the 10 spies who said that there were giants in the land. We can't defeat them. There's giants. You remember when we were in Numbers chapter 14. And so God said that they will not go into the promised land, but their children would. And so here we are, uh, uh, this entirely new generation. And God said that they needed to be circumcised again. I see a few principles here. So I'm, I'm, I, I am a little excited that we have the mixed multitude that we have in here today, that we have parents and children in here, because I, I see some principles here that I think that parents need to hear today. We as parents, we need to hear this today. Here are a few principles. Number one, our children need to go into the promised land for themselves. They have to have their own relationship with God. 
They have to be circumcised for themselves. They can't rely on our circumcision to get them in. They have to go for themselves. We crossed our Red Sea. They need to cross their Jordan River. The second thing I see here is everyone's experience with God is different. We crossed our Red Sea. Our children may have to cross their Jordan River. The problem is, is when we try to put our experience off on our children. No, it it, it may not be a Red Sea, but it is at least a Jordan River. The third thing I see here is don't make them feel inferior or less than because yours was a sea and theirs is a river. Everyone's experience is different. We see this in the ministry of Jesus, in his healing ministry. He didn't heal everyone the same way. For some, he just spoke the word and they were healed in the uh, example of the uh, 10 lepers, the 10 people who had leprosy. He just spoke to him and said, hey, go show your way to the, uh, show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. There were others he laid hands on them and they were healed. There were others, you know, he spit in their eye, here, you know, and, and, and touched them and, and said, did you see anything? The guy said, oh, I see men like trees walking. And he touched him again. And he was completely healed. There's another one. He spit on the ground. Jesus liked to spit a little bit. So he, he spit on the ground, made some mud and said, here's mud in your eye and put mud in his eye. And, and they were healed. He told him to go wash and they were healed. See, we have to understand that everyone has to have their own experience with God. The problem, see, one of the things I was doing as I'm studying revivals and, and the, why they started, why they stopped and just the history of revivals, just a fascinating, Fascinating study. One of the things that the people who were the heads of these revivals, they had different experiences with God. I mean, you know, one guy say he went out to the woods to, to, to pray. And then all of a sudden God just came upon him. And it was like, he said he felt like waves of waves of liquid love, just waves, waves hitting him. He was like, God, stop or I'm going to die. It was just waves of liquid love. Somebody else said they went out and just cried out to God. Somebody else said they were in church and, and they, they, and they were like, Oh God, just bend me to your will. And the spirit of God came upon them and all that kind of stuff. Now see, the problem comes is when we trying to look for liquid love to flow all upon that, that was, that was his experience. When we looking for, you know, we have God bend me and we looking up. Waiting for God's spirit to come. Everyone has to have their own experience with God. Everybody's different. It's great. Yes, you had a uh, Red Sea experience. Your children may have a Jordan River experience. And our problem is when we try to make them feel inferior because ours was a sea and theirs was a river. And, and, and we can't do that. No matter what, all of us must be circumcised is the point. All of us must deal with our flesh and cut those fleshly things out of our lives. Notice what had to be circumcised. Notice, I want you to notice that this just hit me as I was studying for this. Now, I've, I've seen this and taught this for years, but it didn't hit me like it hit me when I was studying this. Notice what had to be circumcised, the foreskin of the man's private parts. 
This tells me that most of our problems will deal with things of a sexual nature. What is the number one problem? I just speak men have the number one problem men deal with our flesh in a sexual way. Women, the same thing, but the men were being circumcised. You understand it includes you too. But the number one problem, the number one problem men deal with is, is the flesh in a sexual way. And there are times we, like the Israelite men, need to be circumcised a second time, like verse 2 says. See, there are some fleshly sexual things we have allowed back in our lives. And you know what that is. There are some fleshly things that need to be cut off and out of our lives. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans uh, 2 and verse 29 that circumcision is of the heart. We need a heart circumcised. See, there are many people bragging because they were physically circumcised. Paul said, no, you need to circumcise your heart. Circumcise your heart. See, this is why for us, what circumcision was to the Jews, baptism is to us. And see, there was a lot of people, like I said, a lot of Jews banking on the fact because they were circumcised. We're Abraham's children. We've been circumcised. And Paul said, whoop-de-doo, you need to circumcise your heart. Who cares what you physically did? It's the heart that God is after. Therefore, the same thing is for us with baptism. Many people think that and, and, and teach what is called a baptismal uh, regeneration where you, you're not saved until you baptize. And, and, and what happened is they, they, okay, I got baptized when, when I was 13 and, and, and lived like the devil since. Did you get baptized in your heart? See, that's the thing. This is why we talk to people before they get baptized because we don't want them thinking, oh, if I get in this water and go down in this water and come up, I'm good, right? I'm good. I'm good. You, you know, hey, ho, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. For me. I went down in the water at 13, went down a dry devil, came up wet devil. I was still the same old devil. I went up because my friends did it the week before. And they were like, come on up, Clark, come on, come on. And I said, no. And they went on up and sat in the chair, you know, them two hard metal chairs that they sit out because the doors of the church are open. And so, and you just come and sit. And so they came up. And I didn't. So, you know, they were talking, hey, you know, we can't, why didn't you come up, man? You and you. So I said, okay, next week. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let them outdo me. So, you know, cause I, you know, I was competitive even then. So I, okay, so next week I went up by myself, sat in the chair, you know, it was still hard and cold, you know, chairs are cold. And I, I, I sat there, you know, in candidate baptism, blah, 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 blah. And so we, uh, the first Sunday, you know, it was the first Sunday day, you know, the baptism that you pull up the floor, you know, you, you pull it, boom, boom, and there's a, there's a little pool right there. You need to put that thing right, set that thing right up here. So, so I, I got baptized. Nothing changed in my life. I just got wet. But, but the thing is, for me, when I re- truly repented of my sin when I was in Okinawa, Japan, 
And I truly repented of my sin. I got baptized again for me. You don't have to, if you saved, if you accepted Christ, you got baptized, you good. You don't have to go fool around in the water again. No. For me, I did it when I became a believer. The first time was fool around. First time was just take, take a bath at church. That's what that was. But, but the second time when I was in the waters over in Okinawa, that was, that was real. I repented of my sin. And so Paul is saying that we need to circumcise our, our hearts. It's about our hearts. See, we need to circumcise those fleshly things. That, that, those fleshly things. Here's the thing. We need to circumcise those people and things that will cause us to constantly fulfill the appetites of our flesh. If you have someone in your life right now, and whenever you're around them, all they want you to do is fulfill your fleshly appetites, that person needs to be circumcised out of your life. And this is what this is talking about. Allow the Lord to show you what that is. Allow the Lord to show you what or who it is that needs to be circumcised out. And I believe he's showing you right now. I believe he's showing you right now. Look at verses five through nine. It says, for all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers that he would give them a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all of the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Now, in these verses, we see in verse five that all of the people who came out of Egypt were circumcised, but the ones who were born in the wilderness or the desert uh, were not circumcised. And it was this generation that Joshua was performing circumcision on. Now, the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation was consumed for their disobedience, according to verse six. Now, this shows us that there is a high cost to disobedience. They walked in a desert place until they were consumed. God wanted them to go directly into the promised land once they left Egypt. But when they heard the bad report from the ten spies, they were gripped with fear at the giants there and refused to go in. They said, well, what about our children? They will be destroyed. Those big bad giants, I heard it over there. You know, the descendants of Anak, they're there. What about our children? <laughs> Worried and concerned about their children. Did I just describe you? Are you worried and concerned about your children? They will go in and you will 
will not is what God told them. He said, God said, you so concerned about your children. They're the ones that's going to go in and you're not going to go in. That's amazing. Let us not allow fear and people to keep us from our promised land. They were afraid and worried about their children and about the giants. Oh, does that describe you? Are you worried and afraid that if you committed to coming on Wednesday nights, you're worried that they would not, they, your children would not get enough rest. They would not get enough sleep for school. Are you afraid that they uh, 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 won't have enough strength or energy to focus in their classes? Oh, I'm afraid and worried that they would not be able to defeat their giants. And I just say, wow, really? Please don't allow fear, worry, and giants to cause you or your children to miss the promised land. God has for you and for your children. Oh, I, oh, oh, young folks, please don't let folks at school keep you from your promised land. Please. Don't let them keep you. Come on, let's do this fleshly thing, that fleshly thing. Don't let, please don't let the children keep you from the promised land. Well, see, this is, and it's so easy to do because we're dealing with peer pressure. Peer pressure doesn't stop when you get older. It continues. You adults, you have peer pressure on your job. You do, but don't allow people to keep you. Just think about it. There were approximately 3 million Israelites. God had chosen 12, one from each tribe, the 12 tribes, to go into the promised land. God was saying, I just want y'all to see it. I just want to give y'all a little taste, a little something, something for y'all to go back and tell the people that it's truly a land flowing with milk and honey. It, it, this is a great land. So God said, you know, send 12 of them in there. And so two of the 12 was Joshua and Caleb. They they came back and said, oh, man, this is truly the land of lands. I'm telling you, the, the vine of grapes were so large that Joshua and Caleb had to carry them on a stick in between them because the grapes were so large. This was the land. They said, man, look, this is some of the fruit. This land is a great land. But 10 of them came back and said, you shut your mouth, Joshua and Caleb. We saw the giants over there, the descendants of Anak, and we can't defeat them. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. You got to understand our archaeologists have d- discovered and dug up that they don't want you to know today that there were giants that once roamed this land. Uh, we see them, you know, they'd be playing tomorrow night too, but, you know. <laughs> but they're, the giants, there's some major giants. Just think about it. Think about this. It, it, the, the giants we see in the NBA, they will seem like grasshoppers in their sight because Goliath, Goliath was some nine feet, six inches tall. They discovered uh, the beds that the giants um, slept on. Those beds were some 13 feet by five feet, the beds that they slept on. Now, if you six feet tall, why would you need a 13 foot bed? 
there were giants that that and I've done an extensive study on the giants that once um, walked this land. Incredible, incredible giants, some 13 feet tall, incredible people. So this is why those 10 spies went in there and said, oh, no. We were like, truly, they were like, he said, grasshoppers in their sight. So if the average Jewish person, let's just say five, six. And you look it up at somebody nine, 10, 11 feet tall, you will be a grasshopper in their sight. They said, we can't take them. We can't take them. They said, oh, no, we can't. And then the people were like, really? They said, no, no, we can't. No, those are giants, man. You know, the descendants of Annie, they're giants. Can't do it. Then the people said, no, we ain't going in there. We're not going in there. And Joshua said, we can take them. God is with us. They said, no, you can go in there. We ain't going in there. And sure enough, who is allowed to go into the promised land from that generation? Joshua and Caleb. If the Word Made Plain has been a source of inspiration and encouragement to you, why not consider becoming a Word Made Plain giving partner to keep this listener-supported program on the air? As a giving partner, you join forces with Calvary Chapel Newport News' kingdom vision of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can make your tax-deductible gift online at calvarynn.org or send your gift of any amount to 15553 Warwick Boulevard, Newport News, Virginia, 23608. And receive a gift from Calvary Chapel Newport News as our thank you. In addition to your financial support, we ask that you pray for the Word Made Plain broadcast, that it touches hearts and generates change in the lives of people around the world. We pray you've been blessed by God's Word today and hope you'll tune in next time to hear The Word Made Plain.